Welcome to Love Essie, the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 83. And this week, I'm going to be talking about another new-ish, but not quite, kind of, a sort of, but it's like a new er book. And that would be Devil in Disguise by Lisa Kleypas. Uh, which is book seven, supposedly, in the, I don't know if it's The Ravenels, The Ravenels, The Ravenels, you know, whichever pronunciation you prefer. I'm sure someone's like, Esther, it is this, and I'm going to be like, okay, but I'm going to call them, I think, I'm gonna, I think I've called them before The Ravenels, so I'm going to stick with that one, Raven, E-L-S, Ravenels, done. So I feel like I had seen a comment where it was like, why is this a Ravenel book? Ain't nobody in here a Ravenel. And technically speaking, no one, the two main characters are not Ravenels, right? But they are adjacent in that um, Lady Merritt Sterling is best friends with Phoebe, who's married to Wes, a Ravenel, and Keir McRae has a connection to them also technically through Phoebe, which you find out in the book. So since this is a new book, I don't want to like spoil it at the beginning. I, I'll include a spoiler section, but I don't want to like come out the, the gate guns blazing with spoilers and then you're going, pero, this story, you ruin. I mean, I don't think so, but you know, just in case you're, you know, that bothers you. So in this portion, I just, you know, going to talk general general terms so this is an in so um sorry in case you're like this is my very first episode i know nothing about your romance and i don't know who lisa claypas is which is fine uh this is a historical uh set i don't know what year this is but this is a later historical period like this isn't 17 even early 1800s i feel like it's probably late 1800s um and so in this, so as in all historical, right, like, you know, women are, you know, got to get married and all that jazz and whatnot. They can't just, sorry, that's my door opening because my roommate's cat decided right now when I started speaking that it was time for him to leave the room, whereas before he wouldn't leave the room. And now the man is back because I don't know why. I, what are you doing? Anyway, as I ignore my roommate's cat who seems to not be sure what he is up to as I was saying um this is a historical not entirely sure of time period I feel like it's late 1800s we're not quite yet at like 19 or 1901 but we're I feel like we're close um so Lady Merritt Sterling our main character is a widow and she's best friends with Phoebe who is the main character in Devil's Daughter right which is book five because book six is in between those two which is Cassandra's book and I forget blanking on the title so anyway Merritt also called Mary in the book is best friends with Phoebe and Phoebe is married to a Ravenel okay and then technically speaking she's also the eldest daughter of Lillian and Marcus whose story happens in it happened one autumn which is book two of the wallflower series so in the ravenels we're seeing the children of 
not all of them, but we're seeing some of the children of the characters from the Wallflowers series. So the Wallflowers, right, they all got their happily ever afters. They had kids, and now we're seeing those kids as adults getting their happily ever afters in the Ravenel series. Uh, not all of the children. Um, I don't think so. No, not all of the children. Right now I'm trying to think if Daisy's kids have shown up. I don't think so. That also probably makes sense because Daisy, who was a wallflower, um, and is Lillian's sister, is based in the U.S. And of course, this is all happening in the the Great Britain in London, basically. So that's Lady Merritt Sterling. Here, McRae is a Scottish whiskey distiller, and he's in town. Uh, basically, uh, his company had a contract with Lady Merritt's company to like warehouse and like offload warehouse store his whiskey as well as the ships yeah she has a shipping company sorry i had to like think it out loud because i was like wait what does lady Merritt do lady Merritt has a shipping company that was left to her by her uh for uh her deceased husband and so that company was bringing over uh kier's a whiskey uh from scotland and storing it and then you know whatever he can then take it from the warehouses and have it delivered to his customers um and so there's a whole like drama going on in his life so due to like his backstory which starts out kind of unclear um we end up with an amnesia plot um which is interesting because I feel like I haven't recently read any amnesia plots that I can think of. I'm sure after I end this, I'll be like, actually, there was this book and that book. Oh, shit. I just remembered. I did recently read an amnesia plot. But I haven't spoken about it on the podcast yet because I'm actually going to... That'll be next week's episode. In My Elder Races um, by Thea Harrison Spiral, I read a bunch of the other novellas I had not read. And in it... Uh, one of the characters does have uh, amnesia after a traumatic injury. So I guess I have read it now recently. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, Kier is... I guess it's a spoiler. But I already said his name. Kier is going to lose a portion of his memory. Sorry! But there's more, okay? So I didn't, like, fully spoil it. My bad. My bad. Um, yeah, so we have an amnesia plot. This is also, like, an insta-love, love, lust kind of thing. Um, they're both very much, like, into each other very, like, pretty much almost immediately, um, which I didn't mind. Sometimes I think I'm like, mm, okay, but there was something about this that I was like, oh, I kind of like this. Um, I can work with this. I'm enjoying it, and I'm not mad about it, and I think it's because the explanation... The reasons why, not the reasons, to me at least on page, on as I was reading, I was like, yes, I could see the two of them, they meet, and it's like, oh, hot damn, oh, hot damn. And they spend, you know, time in each other's company, and are both like, ooh, hot damn. Um, so I wasn't like, oh, this is odd. I think my only moment of like, hmm, was kind of like, she seems to have a lot of freedom for a woman at that time, but she's also a widow, and widows have a degree of freedom that unmarried women absolutely do not 
have at this time period, right? Um, at this time period, if you're unmarried, you usually live under either your father or your brother's home or your ward's um, home. You cannot be anywhere without chaperones. You cannot be in the presence of, like, like you can't invite a man over for dinner. It's just, what, girl, no. Like, you can't, speaking in office, like, there's just, you can never be alone with the opposite sex kind of thing going on. And in her case, like, she's a widow. She was married. And not like, I was married for two days. Like, she, I think her and her deceased husband were together a few years before he passed. So there were a few moments where I was like, wow, I feel like she's getting to do a lot that we don't often see in heroines in historical romance. Um, or at least it feels that way. But like anytime a character is a widow, um, there definitely is a lot more freedom in terms of what she is able to do without it turning into like the scandal that ruins her life entirely. And then, you know, they must like go live in a gutter somewhere. Um, So I was, oh, it just started pouring rain like really, really hard outside. And I was like, oh, hello. Um, So I have read all the books in this series. Um, I'd read them out of order. I think I'd read Pandora's book, which is one of the Ravenel, like, cousins getting married to one of the Wallflower's sons. Um, And I'm pretty sure that was the first book I read in this series. And then, like, I went back, and I think I put off reading Marion uh, Winterborn for a really long time, or Mr. Winterborn for a really long time, because the blurb didn't really intrigue me, and then I read it, and then I absolutely loved it, and thought it was amazing, so then I was like, oh, wow, I thought the second book was amazing, the first one will probably be amazing, too, Cold Hearted Break, and that was not, that was a disappointment, that was, that book is only good, because it does such a great setup, for marrying Mr. Winter, for marrying Winterborn, but uh, on its own, uh, it was not fun um, at all, so there, there's that. Now, I don't think that this is, like, I do think marrying Winterborn eclipses this book in terms of the romance, that that one was just so fucking well done, like, Lisa Claypas was like, I, uh, she struck it out of the ballpark, it's that the phrase whatever I don't know shit about baseball I think that's the phrase <laughs> um whereas like cold-hearted rake I was like I think had I read cold-hearted rake first I don't think I would have I would have taken me even longer to even read the rest of the series because or if cold-hearted rake had been my very first Lisa Kalipas girl I would have been like donezo right there but I had already read the wallflowers um before and a, f- a few other Lisa Claypuses. So I was like, no, this is an author that I enjoy reading, la 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 la. So I definitely was like, okay, fine. Um, I will give Cold Hearted Break a chance, which. Um, but this is better than that. Is it like the best of out of them? No. But is it the worst? Definitely not. Uh, I want to say it's in the middle. Nice, like, middling, like, it's a good. I think it's a good romance. Um, I like Kier and Merit or Mary together. I think that um, Mary needed someone like him. Um, I think that she needed 
a partner very different from her her late husband um and I think that she probably wasn't looking obviously for like love or whatever but I'm really glad that I like found her and he just I was like wow like you get like this amazing woman and all that jazz and you're you know y'all are just I liked them together also I think that at no point was I reading and I was like Like, there were times where you know he was doing that that thing that male main characters like to do which is like I'm going to protect you and the woman's like girl I can protect myself um but he wasn't like mad about that at all he was just kind of like oh okay but like still like you know understood she was her own person and I think he understood her quite well at least to me that's like what it felt like like he wasn't um what's the word I don't know now I'm blanking the 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 term I wanted to use anyway if it comes to me it comes to me um but yes I I did enjoy it um, I put it on hold from the library. It wasn't like, oh no, I, it was, you know, I think, I think I'm often going to be like, but it wasn't, you know, cold hearted rake, which I put on hold. And then I was like, a waste. Um, again, it sets up book two well. And so for, for only that, that's, it's barely saving grace, but the rest of it, oh yeah. Ugh. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed this couple um, we definitely get to see, um, the parents show up, um, which I thought was nice, right? So we see Lillian and Marcus again, because their daughter is, um, the main character, which I was, I really enjoyed. Um, and then we see Kira's connection, um, to the people in her world, which I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of cute. I kind of like that. Um, I'm cool with that. So I definitely did enjoy it. Now, is this Elisa Kleypas that I'm going to be rereading all the time? I don't think so. I think it'll be one that I'll read every, like, six or seven years. Like, I've read it now, and I'll, I feel like in, like, eight years from now, I'll be, like, on Elisa Kleypas binge, and I'll read it again. Um, but will it be something that I pick up and I reread every year? Like, it's time again to read um, Tiffany Rice's, like, Harlequin Fall Trio, because it is fall. Um, yeah, it's not that. No, no. For me, you might read it and be like, yo, this was absolutely amazing, and I'm going to be reading this over and over and over again. For me, it was good. Like, because it wasn't hot garbage, but it's not, like, a new favorite. Um, but I think it, it acquitted itself well in the overall, like, landscape of her, of her books. Um, and what I'd love to see is the two, this couple again in other books. Um, a part of me is wondering, like, is this the end of this, The Ravenels? Uh, will this, is this a transition book between the sort of the, the ending of The Ravenels and then the starting of for example, uh, Merrick's siblings, will they be getting books? Because from what I can tell, in the Ravenels, one of the Wallflower's sons, Evie's son, right, marries Pandora. But 
and now but nobody else oh and then Evie's daughter marries Wes but nobody else is like well I guess the Phoebe and her siblings grew up with Eve's Evie's kids like so that's just like or no that is Evie grew up with Lillian and Marcus's kids so it's like there there would never be like a cross like relation there because it's like we grew up like siblings that's gross but I'm wondering if like Lillian and Marcus's other kids will get their own books with other characters that we have yet to meet um you may be hearing the rain because goddamn, that's like you know when it's like the rain no longer looks like it's individual droplets but like someone's just pouring a bucket from the sky that's what's happening and it's loud um I hope oh it's a window Oop. we have this window in the living room that likes to like just fall down and then like water comes in from the top oh no it's staying up oh, sweet Jesus thank goodness and then the other window is like a little bit open but that's not too bad um because you know I'm not trying to get flooded in the house <gasps> my roommate's plants oh well they're on the fire escape I can't help her um I'm not I'm not doing that First of all, I'm at trip and fall, and then what? <laughs> then, guys, I'm just a broken, broken body of the fire escape. Yeah, that went mad dark. So, back to romance. <laughs> I did enjoy this. Um, and I'm now I'm curious if this is sort of a transition, transitory or transitionary or whatever book, just because as someone mentioned, like, I mean, it's not really a, like, nobody in, in our main characters are not Ravenos and aren't, like, related to Ravenos, but, like, they're adjacent to Ravenos because they know, well, technically, again, Mary's best friend is now Ravenel, but, like, you know, that's, that seems very flimsy, very flimsy, um, as a tie, so I wonder if this is the book that is, like, and now we transition into this whole other, um, sort of storyline and Lillian and Marcus's kids now get their books with other characters because you know because that would be cool I would like to see that right we in this book Mary works at this shipping company with her younger brother and like he's not like a child he's like a grown-ass man and I was kind of like hmm I'm gonna like uh and I think he I don't know if he I feel like he might have had a moment where it was kind of like, ooh, people falling in love, that's wild. <laughs> Let me run, because, uh, ew, no. And I always, I do personally always enjoy when characters that have just been very, like, love, gross, ick, vomit, um, then get their love story. I'm just like, <laughs> here you were laughing at those are the people for feelings, and now you are in your feelings. Um, so I would love to see... Um, the brother got his book um or got his story because I would just be like you thought you could escape you thought that you could hide but in fact the answer is no um let me think is there anything else well the only other thing I can think of if you're like okay Esther I've never really read romance is this anything like Bridgerton? I mean, is it set in the same similar kind of time period, sort of, kind of, perhaps? Um, 
I feel like this is a different story than what you might have seen in that first sort of Bridgerton series, because that, that first season focuses on book one in Bridgerton, and that's a very specific, like, stuff that's going on there, right? Um, you, the two main characters are pretending, okay, if you're like, but now you're spoiling that, too bad. Um, they're pretending to be together so that, like, he doesn't have women trying to get with him, and her star sort of rises because someone as important as him is paying attention to her. That's not what we're getting in this book. We're getting two people that immediately are like, oh my god, and then like amnesia. Uh, and then having to like navigate all of that along with like some other like crazy stuff happening in the background. Um, so it's different in that, but it's it's still this world. Um, I think, I don't remember. It might have been Shelf Love Podcast. I may be attributing this to the wrong person, so I apologize, but I feel like it was Andrew Martucci, who is uh, the host of Shuffle Podcast, who was speaking about the fact that, like, when world building for historical romance novels set in certain time periods is really interesting in that there's often a lot that an author doesn't have to do to explain the world, because it, once you've read a few of those books, you sort of have an intrinsic idea of that setting. So in these settings, in this these, this particular time period, um, you know, the it's common knowledge that, you know, widows have this level of access and you know, freedom, whereas unmarried women don't, uh, but it's also, like, the classist distinctions are known enough that you don't have to go into an excessive amount of detail to explain them to a new reader, uh, customs and clothing, and just, just sort of how the world operates doesn't mean that there is no world building, because there is. But I think it's very interesting how world build. I think it's interesting because it feels like there's a lot less. I want to say there's a lot less world building like there is in contemporary books, right? A, something that's set in a contemporary space. You don't necessarily have to break down how cell phones work because you understand that everyone will know how a cell phone works. So you can just talk about, you know, people using a cell phone without explaining the the literal function of the cell phone and in historical novel in historical romance um you're not breaking down and explaining exactly how corsets work because there's this idea that everyone has general knowledge of how corsets work or you're not breaking down and explaining exactly uh that they're Because there were certain things because, like, there was, like, the whiskey, like, none of us know, not none of us know how whiskey is made and how whiskey was being made at this time is not commonly known. So that needs to be explained. But what doesn't necessarily need to be explained is, although now that I think about it, there was a lot 
that was like there was a mention of specific medical terms and there was a bit of an explanation because these are new medical terms for the time and so these are medical things that aren't necessarily going to be showing up in all of the historical romance novels um and there are explanations about the land and its uses for different you know functions um but it's still I think that I I also don't know what it would be like to read these books having absolutely no knowledge of historical romances because I've been reading for so long (laughs) um so I don't know what kind of questions a brand new reader would have or I I also don't know what kind of questions someone who watched Bridgerton and then read this book would necessarily have because I've just spent so much time in this world. Um, so there may be things that to me seem like commonplace and duh that you might be like, but I don't understand. But how did the Hatha but the Hatha? And I'll be like, well, cause um, yeah, how do I know that? You know what I mean? And so where was I going with this? I had a point, but then I lost it. Oh, I guess in my head, I'm thinking, like, if you're like, oh, shit, I've watched Bridgerton, and now I think I want to read this, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. It's not uh, going to be, like, it's not the exact same story at all, uh, but I think you would still enjoy it. Uh, And again, as I mentioned earlier, I do think I enjoyed it as a romance. Like, I wasn't reading and going, the fuck? Because I liked, I, I think also what worked really well for me is I liked both characters. I liked Mary, and I liked Kier. And I liked who they were with each other. Um, they weren't they weren't weird with each other, and they both wanted the best for the other, even if it was at the cost of themselves. Which I kind of appreciated that they were both like, I care enough about this person to like walk. You know, if what's best for them is walking away, then that's what I'm gonna kind of do. Um, so I also did appreciate Okay, so it's spoiler time for Devil in Disguise by Lisa Clavis. Um, okay, so I basically didn't want to talk about this in the first portion because the book did just come out, I think, a few weeks ago, and I would feel bad, but I had mentioned that there was an amnesia plot, so... As I'd mentioned, right, Mary and Kier, there seems to be very quickly, like, this insta-love, insta-lust thing, very pretty, pretty fast. But someone's trying to kill Kier. And so, because someone's trying to kill him, they almost succeed, but they don't. But then, when he, you know, wakes up, he don't remember her at all. And you're probably going, why is someone trying to kill me? Um... At first, the first inkling I had was he goes to Jenner's to, like, show off his whiskey. And then um, the Duke, uh, he's a Duke, right? Yeah. Um, sees him there and is kind of, like, looking at him kind of weird and acting kind of weird. And I was like, hmm, what, what's happening there? So, basically, long story short, guys, uh, homeboy is the oldest son of Sebastian from the Wallflower. So Sebastian and Evie get together, right? 
the Wallflowers, uh, which is book three, which is Devil in Winter. Now, Sebastian was a literal man whore before he gets with Evie. Like, man whore to the extreme, rape to the extreme, just like, right? But then ends up with Evie, they fall in love, and then they have a path of the kids. Turns out, <clears throat> uh, in one of his uh, mini Pottermore uh, whatever things, um, he knocked home some other woman up, and she gave birth to a son. Now, she's married to somebody else, Lord Ormond, I believe is his name. So technically, here is the legal son of that marriage, right? Even though technically his biological father is Sebastian, the legal son of that marriage. So it turns out she was an heiress of something or whatever. She had money. So she leaves him in the state. And so I think she leaves a letter with that kind of information when she passes and her husband finds out. So her husband wants to kill Care for two things, for two reasons. A, because he doesn't want him to get that estate, but also is since he hasn't given birth to any other sons, his vis well, it's not viscountcy, Viscount what is it? It's Viscount, so Viscountcy, whatever. His title would then go to this guy to the to Care, even though that's not his bio son, but like that was the son born to his wife, blah 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 blah. So this man's trying to kill Kier. So we basically end up learning that Sebastian and this man have been trying to hunt down this kid, aka this grown man. Um, and Sebastian obviously wants not to kill his own son, but Lord Ormond is like trying to get him killed. So that's why, because previous to the, so he gets amnesia because there's a fire at the factory. It's really sad because all of his whiskey blows up in the fire, which I was like, oh, but that's like so rude. How dare you? <clears throat> but anyway, so basically what ends up happening is we have the story, like, we start off with, like, they're both crazy about each other, Mary and Kier, but it's like, we can't be together because you're a lady and I'm just a whiskey distiller dude from Scotland. And he's basically like, they do spend the night together, and it's basically like, okay, but we're gonna go our separate ways, and then he goes, gets this, almost dies on this fire, and then has no memory of her, um... But because she's Lillian and Marcus's kid, she's grown up with Sebastian and his, like, technically, Kier's half-sister, Phoebe, is Mary's best friend. So basically, they end up taking Kier back to Sebastian's house. Because first, Mary was like, we're bringing him back to, like, our parents' house. And everyone was like, girl, no, that's crazy. And then she's like, I'm his fiance. But then it's like, he doesn't remember you. And she's like, yeah, I have real fast. But she doesn't want to, like, be apart from him. So we get this whole, like, all of this is going on. Um, now, I I personally really enjoyed seeing Sebastian again um, because I enjoyed that character. Um, and we, we also saw him when his daughter got married. Oh, because I guess in this series, like, we see him, he, his two other kids get married to Ravenels. So we've seen him. And I did like that. And then we got to see, like, Lillian and Marcus, which I really enjoyed. Because I don't remember if we had seen them specifically, because I don't think any of their kids end up with any of the Ravenels or whatever. But I feel like they would have been present, for example, at uh, Sebastian's other son. Is, it, is his name Gabriel? I want to say it is. I could be wrong. Like, when he marries Pandora, I'm assuming that they were probably at that wedding. And they were probably also at Phoebe's wedding just because the families are so close. 
So I, di- I personally would really like seeing all of that. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of maybe like of memory or a few more memories of Kier and his adoptive father. So what's interesting is like Kier knows that like his mother, the woman who raised him was not his biological mother. He knows he was given up for adoption, right? Um, but I don't think he'd ever really thought about who the father was. He just assumed it was, like, a shitty man or whatever. Um, But I thought was really, like, it's, like, what had I read? It had been a historical, like, it had also been a historical, and this girl had been treated horribly by this man, like, horribly. And then we eventually found out at the end that, like, part of the reason was she was never his biological daughter. Like, the woman, her mother had already been pregnant, with her when they got together and he just sort of took it all always took it out on the kid um that's not care's situation like his the people who take him in want to be parents and end up being really great parents and raising a pretty like great guy what i thought was also really interesting is like when care shows up he's like fully bearded he's been at sea right bringing you know coming down on the ship with um all the whiskey so it's like he's attractive but you don't really think much of it because he's like all like crazy beard and crazy unkept hair and when he gets like marries the first one to notice like your eyes and then he gets like a haircut or whatever and I don't remember if when he gets a haircut he also gets a shave I think he gets a he gets a closer shave but he still has a beard and it's not until they're at his father his biological father's home that Sebastian has his valet fully shaven and he like basically is like the spitting image of his father and what's really funny oh he doesn't get a close he doesn't get a like he doesn't get clean shaven when he first goes to the barber after coming after landing in London because he like is like i I get made fun of by my friends because I look so fucking pretty without facial hair. That's annoying. And they kind of make a joke of like, oh, are you like as, you know, beautiful as like the Duke of Kingston or whatever, who like, he has no idea is his biological father. He has met the man already, but hasn't like even come close to putting two and two together. Um, So it isn't later. It's like once his face is shaven, like his father is like, oh, like, you know, which I think is so interesting because it's, like, one of those, like, like even if you wanted to not claim him as your son, it is impossible because, like, like it looks like you did a carbon copy. Like, you were, like, clone time. Yes, here he is. Numero, you know, the second one of me. Um, so I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting because I think that, you know, reading... If you read The Wallflowers and follow it up with the Ravenels, right, Evie and Sebastian's relationship is so, like, fantastic. But also, this book is kind of, like, reminding us, like, he was kind of a, you know, not the greatest before he got with Evie and settled down. Um, And so, you know, this here could really be one of many of his children um, (laughs) because that's the kind of man that he was. Now, he is also the kind of man that, knowing the truth, he wanted to find his son and protect his son and wasn't, you know, like, oh, let me hide from this. And also was very upfront with his wife. Like, I, 
when she shows up because she was like away in Paris or whatever. And when she it's back, it's not a question of like, oh, we have to like we don't get this weird like we have to hide the truth and lie. It's very like no. The only part that's like kind of like interesting is Sebastian and Lillian, so Marcus's wife. Like, does Sebastian kidnap Lillian in her book? I think he does. He does something because he's like, I need a rich woman and whatever. And that, like, kind of does throw, like, like, there's issues there because, like, clearly what's his face? Marcus is all crazy about her and whatever. And I don't remember if he does it because he thinks he's trying to save Marcus from her. or I don't remember all the details because I also haven't read that in a while. But basically what ends up happening is, like, he tells Marcus about, you know, his illegitimate son and everything that's going on. And then, of course, he tells his wife, but nobody tells Lillian, right? And, of course, now this guy is, like, you know, involved with her daughter. And she's kind of like, wow, like, after all this time, you think that, like, you can't, like, we're not friends? And he's kind of like, we're friends? And she's like, I'm going to go for a walk, because the fuck? Which I think is so interesting, because, like, these families have clearly been so close together this whole time. And yet Sebastian still was very, like, you know, she can't stand me. And she's kind of looking at him like, Really? Because I think you would know if I couldn't stand you. You may be hearing the clickety-clickety-clack of my mouth, and I'm going to stop. Um, but yes, I, I, like I said, I really, I did enjoy the book, um, and I don't think I'll be rereading it all the time. But it may be, like, a fun one to go back to. Um, I would definitely love to see Mary and Care again as he's more settled. Uh... The only other thing, oh no, we're in the spoiler part. So Mary is barren, or believes she's barren. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we have that blog, and she's actually knocked up by care. Which, I get that for some people, it's like, well, why the fuck would you do that? Like, why couldn't she just be barren? Now, it could also be that it was always her previous husband, her late husband, who had the issue and not her, and had nothing to do with her. But I do get that it's like, uh, because they do have a conversation about, like, adoption, Cause she's kind of like, no, I'm going to let you go. Cause like, you know, you should have a family. And he's kind of like, I was adopted girl. We can adopt too. And so I guess there's like the question of like, well, why couldn't you just let them be a couple who can't have kids and just adopt kids uh, or had already adopted kids. And then, you know, surprise, surprise baby. Um, it didn't bother me. But I can see why some people might be like, wow, so Kier has magical sperm? Is that is that what we're going with? I mean, he does come from a family. Like, his dad, how many kids did him and Evie have? Sebastian and Evie, I feel like they have four or five. And then he's got, you know, his illegitimate son. And I honestly think he's one of many. So there is the whole, like, Kier probably does have, like, Alton sperm, um, in comparison to, like, maybe some other gentlemen. Um, but I can understand why some people will be like, but does she need to end up pregnant when they've had the convo about adoption and he was adopted and everybody, you know, like, this is clearly, like, the author, Lisa Clavis, could have decided to have this couple be a couple who doesn't ever end up with biological children but adopts children. Um, so I, I understand how that could be kind of like, mm, I didn't have much issue with it because I also think I'm very used to seeing that in romance. That seems to be a thing 
women who can't have babies and then end up with the right man and can't have babies. But then, I mean, I've had this comment with my mom before. It's like, well, like, not everyone is compatible with everyone. And so that, that, you know, that literally can't be the case. Like, you cannot have kids with this person. Like, your sperm and egg just, mm? But then the next person, your sperm and egg are like, like, magnetized. <laughs> like, don't matter what you do, you get knocked up kind of thing. So... I was kind of like, oh, okay, that could be the case, where it was really more either her husband had an issue or they just, as a couple, weren't compatible. Oh, I totally forgot because I didn't really want to talk about the spoiler part, but I'll talk about it now. I think why I also really liked Mary and Kier, Mary was very like, I made sure to pick, she basically picked her husband because she wanted to pick someone that would really balance her out and like, so she could avoid heartbreak. So it sounded like her marriage to her former, or to her former, to her late husband was something that she decided in a very sort of logical fashion and was like, this is someone I can grow old with, build a life with, and I'm not going to have to deal with all this devastating emotional bullshit. Then the man dies. So hello, heartbreak. And with Kier, it was more of a like, I didn't ever think I could feel this way about someone and yet here I am feeling this way about someone and I can't believe this is happening to me and instead of being scared and terrified and running from that she was very like running towards that feeling which I appreciated I appreciate that it didn't turn into like I've never felt this way and this is terrifying so now I must run from my feelings and never admit them and you know whatever whatever it was more like I get another chance at this Hell the fuck, yeah. Oh my god, yes. Um, And I think the only time that she was kind of like, I can't do this, it was like, he doesn't remember me, and I can't give him kids, so I guess I should just, like, let him go. And then, of course, he remembers, and is like, where are you going? (laughs) What are you doing? Like, it's too late now. Um, But I liked that um, she didn't sort of... She didn't become, she was definitely overwhelmed by her feelings, but she didn't let that, she she pushed through the fear of that, right? She didn't just run and cower from it, she pushed through it um, to see, like, what could be with him. And so that I actually quite enjoyed, um, for me personally, because I was like, oh, okay, she's not just like, running away from him like oh god no this is we can't do this this can't be um because I'm so scared of feeling emotion it was more I I think what we end up seeing is that she realized that she she did all of these things and made all of these decisions to avoid all this horrible awful heartbreak and life was like so you made plans and then I happened anyway you know what I mean and so she understood like you know that's what I did the first time I ran and I still suffered and had to like deal with the heartbreak so maybe running from it this time won't really make a difference like if heartbreak is meant to happen it'll happen kind of thing um so I was like oh okay girl I mean uh, I guess but um but yes I definitely enjoyed it and I do wonder and kind of hope that this is like a transition book into books about her siblings um and or siblings of the other wall or the children of the other wallflowers getting their books 
Uh, that I would also love to see. Because then you get that cool sort of like continuity. You get to see the characters from the Wallflowers, but now they're older and they're helping their children figure out their stuff. Oh my goodness. What if it turned into a whole series of like, Sebastian has a few other uh, illegitimate children and random other people end up with them. That would be, could be fun, but could also be weird. Um, but yeah, it would, it would be really cool to see like, um, if Lillian, so Lillian's younger sister, Daisy, uh, married and, well, yeah, they're both American and I'm, I'm assuming they live in, in their book, Daisy's husband is doing work for her father in the UK, in London, so he's, they stay, but I don't think that was always going to be permanent, so it would also be interesting if, like, one of Lillian's kids, like, went off to, like, New York or Boston or whatever to hang out with his co- his or her cousins and then like falls in love over there and like or vice versa like Daisy's kids come to visit their cousins and their aunt and uncle in London and then fall in love with random people that they meet through their cousins um I would totally read that um but yeah I think that's all the thoughts I have on devil in disguise um i just it just clicked for me I think all the books that have devil in the title all relate back to devil in winter which is Sebastian and Evie's book because Pandora's book which is their oldest son getting married to Pandora I believe is devil in spring um and then Phoebe's book which is their other daughter which is their daughter actually marrying West is called uh, Devil's Daughter. So I think that the ones that are all like Devil in them, it's because they're basically Sebastian's kids, which I kind of like that, like that sort of, what's the word? Would it be continuity? Yeah, Devil in Spring, Devil's Daughter, and Devil in Disguise. Like all three of these are... Sebastian Evie's kid. Well, te- no, technically the link there is Sebastian because Kira is only Sebastian's son, not Evie's. Um, but yes, I definitely, um, now I'm like curious to see if I'm like right or if I'm cray cray. No, I think I am right. I am right. I love it. I feel so smart. I'm like looking at her website. To, to see and um, I am correct because the Hathaways don't have any devil in the title and I oh yeah she doesn't use devil really anywhere else um cool okay so I'm gonna pause here and then it's gonna be time for gratitude attitude okay so for gratitude attitude this week um, so first thing I'm grateful for, so there's this webtoon comic called Let's Play. Um, I really love it. It's really, really good. And they'd had this Kickstarter campaign in 2020 to get volume two, um, of the series in like a physical copy. And so I was mad excited and I got it. And then they had sent out like, a backer kit survey being like, do you want to do add-ons? And I did. And then, you know, we were in pandemic and things were just taking forever. 
So it took a while. Um, I didn't get my stuff until last week, but I got it. Okay, guys, I got it. And it's so cute. I got, I'd gotten, obviously, in the, I'd backed uh, volume two, so I got that, but I was able to get a copy of volume one in the, like, add-on section. And there were pins, and there were book plates, and there was some really cool, like, art prints uh, that were, like, a little, a little like, kind of naughty, but not really, um, and some pins. And I'm just so happy that it, like, arrived. So I was very, very pleased about that. The second thing I'm really, really grateful for is um, Beth, who is B and her books on Instagrams and Twitters, had had this, like, giveaway for a book and I won which I was just like wow like how does this happen to me because it almost never happens to me so I also received a copy of In Harmony by J.N. Welsh um so I was like I forgot a free book from me um it looks really cute I'm very pleased um I will be reading that hopefully soon um God, I have so many books, dear Lord. Um, oh, okay. And like the third thing I'm grateful for, which is another book related thing. Although now I'm wondering if I've said it already. I don't think I have. If I have, you can tell me. So Sarah McLean's latest. Um, I was randomly walking by a word, the bookstore in Greenpoint, because I don't live far from that. Uh, now like I live actually kind of close and I decided to like pop in oh I was on my way to meet up with friends but they'd moved the time to a little bit later but I'd already left my house I was like well I have time to kill so (laughs) I'm gonna go into this bookstore because I have time to kill and so I go into the bookstore and I see the copy and I go to purchase it and the woman's like oh we still have a sticker uh, from the pre-order campaign, and I was like, oh, ooh, and I didn't even realize, because I had not, all I did was, like, make sure that, like, the book was pristine, um, but it was signed, so I was like, okay, I have a signed copy, and I get a sticker, like, I was very, very fucking excited about this, um, so I don't remember if I said anything about that or not, I don't think I did, um, but if I did, well, oops, um, because I, feel like I just rediscovered that I had a sticker and whatever um John will say and then I guess in case that I'd already said that like what else am I grateful for guys I did laundry and I know that that sounds so silly but like doing laundry is so hard oh my god what are you sorry guys I was talking about doing laundry and all of a sudden my roommate's cat starts like kneading my leg and I'm like sir what are you doing He's probably like, laundry you speak of? Uh, me too. I will join. I mean, you don't actually do laundry. Do you guys know how amazing it would be if my roommate's cat could do my laundry? And now he's trying to climb up my legs. Cats, they're so weird. And it's weird because he's literally been sleeping here this whole time. Or not this whole time. Earlier, it seemed like he woke up and tried to leave. And then he you know, came back in and kept sleeping. And now, specifically when I spoke about laundry... He, like, popped up and tried to climb up on me. Maybe he's like, I, too, love laundry because it smells good. I mean, you're right. But anyway, as I was saying before, you know, the animal uh, distracted me. As an adult, laundry is such a goddamn chore. 
And here's the thing. I like folding, probably because I did retail. But it's like, I live in New York City, so I don't have laundry in the apartment. I got to walk to the laundromat, right? And walking to the laundromat is annoying. I also live on the fourth floor. So I got to get all the way down with my bag and all my stuff. And then I got to walk only a block and a half. So I really shouldn't complain because there are people who live even farther. But I got to walk a block and a half to then go down some other steps because it's kind of like on the lower level to do my laundry. Once I'm there, I'm fine. It's the getting there that I, I struggle with. So I feel really good that I actually went and I did laundry twice this week because that's my other problem. I have so many clothes. Um, so I feel really grateful that I managed to get my ass up and out of the house to the laundromat twice in one week. And I got clean sheets. I got clean towels. I got clean clothes. Like, it, it's a wonderful feeling. I mean, it's really a wonderful feeling. So I thought I'd share that, you know, just because, you know, you might be going, girl, what? But I'm just saying, you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot, especially out here where it's like, can't just like open up a door in my apartment and there's the laundry. Not yet. One day, though. One day, though. But yeah, that's uh pretty much all I've got for you guys this week. So next week... I can't decide if I want to do, so I recently just finished a book that I really, really want to talk about, but then I also want to talk about the Elder Races books, but those were all novellas, so I don't know that they could be, I could talk about all of these books, but that might make it a really long episode, like definitely over an hour, or I could just do two mini episodes. Hmm, I don't know. And I'm not sure. You're either going to get the Eva, I don't know if it's Eva Lay, Eva Lee. How do you pronounce L-E-I-G-H? Is it Lee? Is it Lay? Like, you know say. You know say. However you pronounce that last name. Um, And then, you know, it starts with, the first name is Eva. I was going to say the first name starts with Eva. Like, nah, nah, that that's the whole first name. It don't start with that, you know, like, sometimes my old brain, but anyway, um, the book that I read by her, which is actually my first, My Fake Rake, oh, so good, I have to talk to you guys about it, because it was so good, and it's book one in the series, so I'm gonna, you know, basically go down that rabbit hole and read the other ones, um, so you're either gonna get that, or you're gonna get the Elder Races books, or I may just do it all in one, because again, the Elder Races, it's the novellas. Oh no, I lied. It's three novellas and a full book. Okay, so you're gonna, there's, I don't know which one you're getting, but you're getting that stuff. That's what's coming, okay? That's what's coming. Um, because I, I enjoyed the, oh, I just remember there's three other books I read that I also want to talk about that are different paranormal series by Dana Marie Bell. Yeah, I've got a lot coming your way, and I don't know exactly what it'll be next week, but it'll be something. Me do the paranormal, but I'll probably do the historical and then the two paranormals. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and have a wonderful week. Okay, bye.